This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Both hailing from parts unknown at a combined weight of 501 pounds. They are the Morning Rush Hour World Tag Team Champions. They have no fear, no back down, just a couple of gutsy guys. No one will take those MRH World Tag Titles from these men. It's Taz, it's the Moose, illustrious champions, right here every day on CBS Sports Radio. You know it's every day, Moose and Taz be picking away. Talking about every sport, you know that they never missing a play. From the NBA to the NFL, the college games. They always bring in the knowledge, nobody ever can try to go stop it. Only be talking the truth, only be talking the truth, hey. That's right, on a Wednesday morning, Taz Moose with you. You've got Shep, Pete, and Mike across the way. Bogus, your updates. Coming to you live, Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios, who found a better way to mortgage so you can focus on making your new house your home. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. A lot of baseball, hour number one, following the Nats. Uh, NL wildcard victory last night. Come back against the Milwaukee Brewers as they advance and now take on the Dodgers. Got a what a wild card game tonight. A's and at uh, A's and at and Rays out there in Oakland. We'll touch upon that. David Sampson will join us later on this hour, Taz. But mix a little football into the course of the conversation. The Minnesota Vikings, you know, get set to take on the uh, New York Giants uh, this weekend, and coming off what was a, a brutal performance uh, last weekend in Chicago against that really good Bears defense. But you know, they really couldn't get much going offensively. And you know, we thought Cousins was bad last year. Uh, against good teams, and yeah. he certainly was. But uh, people are going to look at him and say, uh, oh, well, look at him at the end of the year. Look at the yards. Look at the touchdowns. You know, statistically, he didn't have a bad year. You thought last year was bad. Look at Kirk Cousins this year. I mean, he has been downright atrocious. Uh, you know, he was bad in Green Bay. He was bad last week in Chicago against the Bears. We know his record against good teams. I think it's like 4-27 and as a starter in the National Football League, Taz, against teams that are, are over the 500 mark. And that's dating back to his days as a Washington Redskins uh, starting quarterback as well, not just in Minnesota. The Vikings brought him aboard to be the finishing piece to what they hoped was going to be uh, a championship team. That has not worked out over a year plus now for Cousins. And now he's coming out and apologizing to Adam Thielen for uh, missing him on some throws. I know. and it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, Yeah, I, I, that's kind of something I would think that you do – you know, you would do in the locker room or behind the scenes. He watched film, apparently game film, and I of the game against the Bears and where they lost sixteen to six. And I guess he realized, well, you know, I really wasn't, you know, given a lot of opportunities. He, you know, he threw to Thielen probably I don't know six or seven times, and um, he, he threw to Diggs seven times. He threw to Dalvin Cook eight times. So it wasn't like a big, huge gap of not getting the ball. If I, if, you know, he didn't get, he didn't try to get the ball that was tied in Rudolph at all. It, it one target on him. So I don't understand why he came out with this, but I guess maybe he saw in watching game film 
that there was opportunities to get in the ball, and, 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 he, and he blew it. Right, so Cousins does a, a weekly show on KFAN in Minnesota. Don't they all? Under center with Kirk Cousins. Oh, nice. You like the title? That's actually not bad. Right? It's, yeah, it's trite, but right. it's fine. Him and uh, Mark Rosen do the show. So, um, Oh, yeah, him and Mark? Right, oh. correct. Hall of Fame broadcaster Mark Rosen, by the way. Uh, yeah, uh, according to his bio. Um, he was asked whether he took offense to the comments that Thielen made following the loss about needing to complete deep ball passes and executing plays in the passing game when the Vikings aren't able to run the ball successfully. And he said, no, like I said, it's a reality. I really want to apologize to him because there's been too many opportunities where we could have hit him on Sunday in postgame. And I talk to the media, I always say, until I watch the film, it's hard for me to really give you a straight answer. Well, now it's a Tuesday night. I've watched the film, and the reality is there were opportunities for him. And Thielen's a hell of a wide receiver. And, you know, you're paid, I guess, Taz, to be open and honest, especially when your name is in the title of the show. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you the subject of the show, right? Yeah. Under center with Kirk Cousins. So you're going to ask get, get asked those type of questions, and I guess he's being open and honest. I don't disagree with you. I don't know if I'd necessarily be apologizing on KFAN. Uh, I don't know if I'd be going that route, but, I mean, that's why he gets paid the big bucks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you know what, I mean, I'm sure, I'm still feeling happy about it. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I'm sure everything's fine with them, but, you know, you got to spread the ball around. I mean, I, I would think that if you're a real, like, hater on Kurt Cousin, you would say, well, dude, what do you need to see game film to realize you didn't give him the ball a lot? You should be seeing the field. You should be, he's one of your key receivers on that team with, with Diggs and, and, and uh, I don't know who else, I guess you would say, out of the backfield, Dalvin Cook. But, you know, you got Thielen, you got Diggs on that Vikes right, you got Irv Smith, you get the, the rookie to. tight end right. as well. You know, they, you know they, they've got enough weapons offensively, and they were a good passing team a year ago, Taz. Yeah, yeah you know, they were. But here's the thing that would hit me about Minnesota. I'm curious your take on it. Is I signed Kirk Cousins two off-seasons ago. Yeah. I gave him all of this guaranteed money. And now year two under the stewardship of Kirk Cousins, I'm trying to minimize him as best I possibly as I possibly can do. Mm. I've gone from, let's spread the football around. We've got a quarterback. We believe in him more than we do believe in Case Keenum. We've got the weapons on the outside to be able to throw it. But now the Minnesota Vikings under Mike Zimmer have redefined themselves to where all they want to do is run the football. Yeah. Well, I guess... I mean, what's the I, point I, of having I, Kirk I know. Why there? spend all that money? I mean, I, I guess I'm just... just yeah, I guess because Dalvin Cook's healthy and, he, and he's, he's a hell of a running back. Um, I mean... You know, he, he touched the ball probably 14 or 15 times against the Bears, uh, Cook did, but he didn't. He, he had under under 40 yards rushing. I mean, he, he had under 40 yeah, yards rushing. Do, right, and, and, but I get your point. No, uh, and, why and, spend the money on a QB and all that, get rid of uh, um, Keenum. Uh, Keenum, Case Keenum, my former guy, and get rid of him and then pay this guy all this money, Kirk Cousins? And then run the ball as much as you run the ball. Well, and, and, then, you know. and then you get right, and then and then you get to the question of Cousins, Taz. It's not talent, right? It, yeah. it's not talent with Kirk Cousins. He can play the position, right? He's been a successful quarterback. He's thrown for a lot of yards. He's thrown for a lot of <laughs> touchdowns. He's a smart guy too. I mean, I'm not just talking about the Michigan State education. Those that have been around him, and the, you know, he's a captain at Michigan State. He spoke at the leadership council for the Big Ten conference and everything like that. You know, there was a lot. There's a lot to like about Kirk Cousins. Then. And Minnesota fans want to know why the struggles against quality teams. Yeah, you know well, why? You know, is it the mentality of the athlete? Is it between the years? Do you need to talk to somebody? Why can you play? And I get better teams play better defense. I, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to simplify. 
I think it's more in between the years than anything else. I mean, it's a case where Cousins steps on the field, understanding his record and his struggles against quality teams, has, and then that kind of just overwhelms him as a performer, as an athlete. Is it a case of, well, teams, uh, better quality teams understand of what they need to do against him? Do you think it's more mental or physical with Cousins? I, I, I think it's more mental. I think it gets in his head. I think he knows he's going against a super high-quality defense in that Bears defense as he did this past week. But the previous week, I think they played the Raiders, and they, they beat up on the Raiders pretty good, and he played good. I mean, so it's like, you know, to the point, well, he played pretty good. He didn't play great against the Raiders. But to your point, when you're going against, you said the word quality defenses and that uh, quality teams, that, that's what the, the, the quarterbacks that are making money Kirk Cousins get are expected to win those games. You're expect- or play well. Or play well against and, and not put up a donut for three quarters against the Bears, as great as their defense is. You got to score some points. You got to get your team in position to score some points. I mean, if you're getting that kind of bank and you're 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 the man as a quarterback, you got to do that. Well, he hasn't done that. No, he hasn't. And Taz, to add insult to injury, you go back to say, and the Bears are a great defense, yeah. arguably the best oh, yeah. defense in the NFL, right? I think no most doubt. People would think that. Them or the Pats. Them or the Pats. Them or the Pats. Right. Hairs, so know. you want to say, okay, well, you're on the road. That's a tough environment. Soldier Field. Give Cousins a pass for that one. How about Lambeau Field? Yeah, yeah. Right? And I give the Packers a lot of credit for what they and Mike Pettin were doing defensively. Philadelphia had no issue moving the ball on the Green Bay Packers. No. And no. Philadelphia offensively were struggling a little bit. Wentz was struggling. They were missing weapons. And I get they got some a couple of those weapons back. And Alshon Jeffrey played in that Packer game, Taz. But, you know, the, the Eagles had no issue moving the ball on mm. the Green Bay Packers in Good Lambeau point. Field. Yeah. And the Minnesota Vikings, they moved the ball. But then you had one mind, mind meltdown after another from Cousins in big-time spots. Yeah, no, I think you make a good point about, about the Eagles. Where Howard was just running the ball. Mark Sanders running the ball. I mean, yeah, you know, you're right. I, 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 at, on the road against the Packers. But, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just something with Kirk Cousins just when he was with your Redskins, you know, I just there's something about him. I just don't. I agree with you. I don't know what it is. I just I don't feel. I just, it, I'm not just. I'm not a. I never was a believer in Cousins. I never would have paid Cousins the money that he's looking for. However, I think he has become now a guy that I want to root for against quality teams because I actually, you know, as being in this line of work, watching as much football, I kind of feel bad. You know, I, I he's wearing a. A big set of goat horns, Taz. I mean, every single week. He's making a lot of money. Don't feel too bad. No, no, but you know what I mean. I get <laughs> I know, it. And he's not mean, paying yeah. my bills. I understand yeah, that. But yeah. as as a as a fan, as someone who covers the sport, who talks about it on a day-in, day-out basis, as we do shoes, you know, we're on the air 15 hours a week here on CBS Sports Radio doing the morning show. You know, I, I do feel bad for Cousins. I'd like to see him mentally get over the hurdle because, you know, Taz, you would know this better than anybody. As a guy that's done it, you know, that has got to be something that he wears and lives with and hangs on him on a day-in, day-out basis. The bank account doesn't allow you – it, it provides a lot. Right. And he's got a great life. Of course, yeah. You know, he's a terrible cook on the barbecue, as we <laughs> saw a couple off-seasons ago. Uh, you know, I'd never eat a steak from Kirk Cousins, but <laughs> he does wear this to where against good teams – He's bad, and that's a difficult thing to overcome. Yeah, because you're not going to win in the postseason. You're not. You might. You might get to the postseason, but you're not going to win in the postseason. And that's where this all has to happen in the playoffs. And and I don't think I don't think Cousins could be that guy. Maybe maybe it'll happen. Look, he's gonna. Ha- you don't have to feel bad from uh, what what this week. I think they're playing the Giants. 
Yeah, right, they so should get healthy offensively. This yeah, week. and that defense is not too good for 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 the G men. So I think you you don't have to feel too bad for Cousins this week. No, no, not this week. I'm talking about when he goes up against good teams. No, I, oh, no, I know. I was just saying about yeah. this week. No, yeah, this yeah. week he should feel, That's feel real saying. good. Yeah, but yeah. then everyone's going to say, well, I mean, it's the Giants. Their defense stinks. Aside I know. I'm going to say that. <laughs> I'll tell you ahead one, of time. I'm going to say that. <laughs> aside from when they play the Washington Redskins. Yeah. And speaking of quarterbacks, you look at Jameis Winston, who I think for the most part, you know, Bruce Arians gets that job down in Tampa Bay. He's got a relationship previously from quarterback camps that he ran that he was familiar and had a good friendship or relationship, I would say, right. a working relationship with Jameis Winston. So he takes that Buccaneer job, comes out of the broadcast booth, which we touched upon last year, he was terrible at, oh, uh, back on the sideline, you know, dealing with some of the health concerns as well. But he, was, he, he came into Tampa, was brought to Tampa to find out if he could resurrect the career of Jameis Winston who, by the way, was just named NFC Offensive Player of the Week, right? So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I had a good week. They go on the road as a 10.5-point underdog and beat the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. Now the question is, has Winston turned a corner, you think, as an NFL signal caller? You know, is he starting to buy in? If a guy can turn a, someone's career around, look what Bruce Arians can do. Do you think it's too early to tell with Winston or what you've seen so far this year from what they're doing offensively? Do you think, do you think uh, James Winston's turned a corner? I, I, you know, and I've said it many times here, I'm not a huge fan of his, yep. of Winston, but i got to tell you, he, he's, he's been pretty impressive here. He's sitting fifth right now. I know it's only week five. He's sitting fifth on passing in the NFL. Fifth. Okay, I, I never expected that to happen. I know, again, it's early, but it's Pat Mahomes, Matt, Wy- Matt Ryan, uh, Jared Goff, Rivers, and then Winston. So, I mean, but again, it's early. But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely that connectivity. You know, with his new head coach and him, I mean, it's there's something there that's working. I mean, um, they're going to be tested, though. I, I, I'm not fully in until what happens this week here. They went on the road and beat up the Rams 55-40, to 40, which was impressive as hell yes. against that defense. Impressive as hell. I still am shocked that happened. Okay, now they go on the road again, Moose, as you know, to play the Saints, who are tough as hell in that dome, and that defense is, is pretty strong. So if they could do that back-to-back weeks, if the Bucs can win and Winston at the helm as that QB can be dominant on the road again against another power NFC team, now the Saints, that uh, they're going to play the Saints, uh, then I got to tell you, I'm all in. Um, because otherwise, I wouldn't have been. But I, last week, was I was like, what the heck's going on here? Now, yeah, he, he last week was, I think, eye-opening. Um, yeah. And now, is that a sign of things to come, Taz, or is that like a blip on the screen, uh, as the cliche would go? That was a pretty and, big blip, though, no, you know? I know. No, you listen, know I, mean? I get it. I get it. But he's had good passing days. Now, that was a uh, that was a stern test. And I, agree with you about the, I agree with you about the Saints. Now, the intriguing thing about that Saints game you know, and, and Bruce Arians is a huge believer in throwing the ball downfield. As Cousins is apologizing to Adam Thielen and Thielen saying we got to throw the ball deep, right? Bruce yeah. Arians, Jameis Winston's averaging 8.4 yards per pass attempt, Oof. not completion, per pass attempt. Yeah, attempt. So it's all about downfield throwing from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now you look at the New Orleans Saints defensively, who are playing very, very well. They're giving up on average 7.4 yards per pass play. So mm. if you look at it, you look at it statistically, I understand guys got to play the game. You would think the Buccaneers should have some success Sunday, even on the road down in New Orleans, of being able to throw the ball deep on that Saints secondary. We'll see if that ends up being the case. I got to see a little bit more, Taz. Now, 
if he's brilliant, and when you mentioned that if he plays well, when you say well, are you talking about 300 yards, two touchdowns? Are you talking about a, a Tampa Bay victory? When you define well from Winston, then all of a sudden you're a believer. How would you define well? Well, protect the football, no interceptions, win the game, or at least keep it close. And I, I guess I would guess, you know, be uh, let's say he goes 23 or 33. You know, or 20, I don't know, um, uh, that's too much. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm saying, I mean, does he have to be as brilliant as he was with the Rams? Is he throwing for 350 and four touchdowns? No, I don't think, no, no, what he did against the Rams, that was something epic. Right, no, yeah, and I I don't think it has to be that good. I mean, for me to believe in him. Yeah. Win the game and protect the ball. I don't disagree. That's I mean, I, simple. I, you know, know I, I you know I, we're on the we're we're kind of sharing a mindset with that yeah. one. I don't I don't think I think it'd be too much to ask for him to have that kind of a game, a game that Fitzpatrick had a year ago. Remember opening week right. down in New Orleans where right. this Buccaneers stunned everybody. You know, and and Fitzpatrick is is you know is uh, talking trash and talking smack and you know throwing touchdown passes. I don't think you need to have that kind of performance. But I get concerned about Winston not taking care of the football. Can he play a clean game? Right? Can he deal with a little adversity? He's going to face it on Sunday, certainly. Can he not have the big interception if that game is on the line, third or fourth quarter? Those kind of things, Taz, I want to see where he can manage a game and manage success and not be sloppy with the football. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think yeah. if you're a Buccaneer fan, you know, you've got to be happy that maybe Winston has turned a corner. And if there's any guy that could help him turn the corner, it would be the head coach that's in place because he's a wonderful offensive mind. Uh, absolutely. There's something clicking for sure. Because I'm sorry, you don't go into Los Angeles, take the Rams, okay, and, and beat them when when you're plus nine in that game. I mean, the Bucks. They were plus nine in that game. And this guy, Winston, he threw for over 380 yards with four TDs. I yeah. mean, you know, he had one INT, but four touchdowns, man. I mean, I. He played great. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's like, I believe in guys having good games. But that was like, I watched the game. He had a good game, the whole game, nonstop, just about the whole game. It was, you know, let's see, let's see what he can do against the Saints. Again, look, the Bucks are 2-2. Two and two, So let's not paint them like they're, you know, the, the Patriots here. You know no, they're I mean? not. Right. But you know what? They they've they look like, they look, I'll tell you this, Taz, they look more like an NFL team this year under Bruce Arians than they did last year. Totally agree. I mean, and, and that's a step in the right direction. Not winning anything this year. Uh, but they look a lot better this year than last. One final thing, Taz, because we talked about it, and our favorite talking point is the Cleveland Browns and Freddie Kitchens. Yes, of course. Um, who uh, is continuing to hang on this idea of the you know Marlon Humphrey, Odell Beckham Jr. back and forth, oh. where Beckham hit him and Humphrey oh. is choking him. Listen, he you know the Baltimore Ravens posted a story and video on Tuesday on their website arguing that uh, Humphrey didn't choke Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., uh, then Kitchens fired back as well. Did you see the video? That's my response. Everybody saw the video. I mean, I don't understand why. I mean, Humphrey, as we discussed, and we played the audio on Monday, Taz, went up to Odell Beckham Jr. and apologized. Yeah, no, I know. It, and he, was apologizing, saying that's not what I am as a player. Did you say someone said that, one of the, that he wasn't choking him? Is that what that? The Ravens on their website yesterday posted a story and a video arguing that cornerback Marlon Humphrey did not choke Browns wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. Man, I don't know. I mean, I, I saw a still I saw shot photo. I, I saw still sh- uh, Yeah, I mean, he had his hands on his neck. I mean, that's a choke. <laughs> I agree with you. I don't, I don't disagree with you. But, if okay, let me ask you this, though. If you're Freddie Kitchens, do you add more oxygen to it or you just let it go? 
I think you let it go. But Do you I, still hang on it and talking about it on a Tuesday after that story comes out from the Baltimore Ravens? Uh, I, I, let me let's back up for a second. I'm watching the video. I just want to say something, Moose. I'm watching the video here. I might have. Okay, maybe he didn't choke him. Now that I'm watching this, the still shot. Now I'm watching the video like you did. He grabbed his jersey, Beckham's jersey, and held. He he actually never choked him. To be honest with you, he didn't he, grab his neck. He didn't. I'm going to show you. Yeah, he didn't. I thought I saw this the video. This is a, this is a unique video. It's slow mo. You might not have saw this. And he didn't. He didn't grab his neck. He grabbed his jersey and he held. He pushed him down to the mat, uh, to the dirt, to the turf, and he never touched his neck. So I apologize to everyone who thought I said that. Well, I did. What say about right there? His hand yeah. right there. Well, he's getting up. He's trying to get up using no, his, his neck. Hand right there. No. Hold on, let me make this bright. His hand on. right there. No, no, Moose, I'm telling you, watch closely. Watch closely. Just watch his hand on the jersey. No, it never goes go around his ground. neck. Watch when they go to the ground. This is riveting radio. Hold no, on. Let's watch see. when they go I to the know, ground. I'm watching. Watch when I'm they watching. go to the ground. He's still he not on his it. neck. He's still no, not but there. He moves his hand right there. He puts his fist in his throat. He puts his hand right there. He's not choking. He does put his fist in his throat. I his mean, fist is there. I'm telling you, he's. he don't have his hand around his neck. What's right that there? hand? I can't tell that hand. Right there. The left hand. No, he's got his jersey. Moose, I, he didn't choke him. I don't. I don't know. He did not choke him. And I'm, I'm over here saying the other day that he choked I, him. I, I went I, by a still shot. I shouldn't have done that. A mistake by no, me. No, I. I mean, listen, I saw the video. I still think he had his hand around his neck. He didn't choke him. Well, we could agree to disagree, but I mean, if you're the Ravens, you got to move on. And Humphrey went out there and apologized. So but, if Marlon Humphrey didn't do anything wrong. Why would he be apologizing after the game? Well, he but he didn't say I apologize for choking him. He I apologize, apologize for, for fighting behavior, him. But yes. he was asked about the altercation, and the belief was is that he choked Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, but he didn't say, I am sorry for choking the man. He said, I'm sorry for my behavior. It's a big difference. No, I'm I, sorry I acted like a but hooligan. But if, if I ask you, I get you, but the whole the whole conversation after the game, well, listen, it doesn't. At the end of the day, Freddie Kitchen's got to move on, as do the Baltimore Ravens. Well, that's the thing. You're right. And they, I mean, they do at the end. Work. I mean, we could agree to disagree on that video, where exactly his hand is, or what the Ravens and Cleveland Browns are doing, but at some point in time, you got to move on. 855-212-4CBS. 855-YES, we are. 212-4227. It's Taz and the Moose with you here on this Wednesday morning. CBS Sports Radio. This is WWE superstar, the man, Becky Lynch, and you're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Sunday, the NFL on CBS features a full slate of games, including Brady and the Pats on the road to take out Washington, and the Ravens and Steelers renewing their AFC North rivalry. Check your local listings for the game in your area. It all begins with JB and the guys on the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific only on CBS. David Sampson will join us, CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ, MLB analyst, former executive, uh, with the Marlins, but for the second time this morning, we are graced by the presence of Andrew Bogish. Moose, you're too sweet. Here's your report. It is sponsored by Geico. Great yes. news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. They got to Max Scherzer early, then preserved that lead until the eighth inning, where they turned to their all-star closer, Josh Hader, but then the Brewers watched Hader hit a batter, give up a single, and then walk Anthony Rendon to load the bases. Then came Juan Soto's single and right fielder Trent Grisham's error. Three runs scored, 
sending the Brewers from a 3-1 lead to a 4-3 hole. This is Ryan Braun. That's the position we wanted to put ourselves in. We're ahead with our our late-inning bullpen guys in the game. Um, That was the ideal position for us to be in as a team, and it just didn't work out tonight. Ben Gamble flew out to the track as the go-ahead run in the ninth inning, sealing the 4-3 loss in the NL wildcard game in Washington. The Nationals lost their previous three do-or-die games. Ryan Zimmerman, a part of all of them. I don't think we've played bad in these games before. We just haven't really caught any breaks. And uh, tonight we caught a couple breaks. We got a little bit lucky, and it takes that in the playoffs sometimes. Uh, that luck included Zimmerman's broken bat bloop single yeah. and a debatable hit by pitch in the eighth inning rally. The Nats move on to face the Dodgers in a division series starting tomorrow night in L.A. Tonight, it's the AL wildcard game, five Pacific in Oakland, the A's and the Rays. Those A's know the Nats' pain well. They've lost an MLB record eight do-or-die games in a row. The San Francisco Giants expect to meet with eight to ten candidates about replacing retired manager Bruce Bochy. The search begins this week with bench coach Hensley Mullins and third base coach Ron Wotus getting interviews. Packers wideout Devontae Adams told us last Thursday night he's battling turf toe. He's now not expected to play Sunday against the Cowboys. Panthers D-tackle Kawan Short needs season-ending shoulder surgery. He suffered a partially torn rotator cuff back in Week 2. And Bengals wideout John Ross likely to miss multiple games with a shoulder injury. Longtime GM and league exec Rod Thorne has a new NBA job. He'll serve as a special advisor to new Wizards GM Tommy Shepard. And Elena Deladon gets an MRI today after last night's early exit from Game 2 of the WNBA Finals. With back spasms, her Mystics lost without her to the Sun, 99-87 level in the series at 1, Game 3 in Connecticut on Sunday afternoon. Guys? All right, thanks, Andrew. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more baseball. David Sampson will join us uh, about 10 or so minutes from now. But sticking with the uh, you know, the, the football theme, Taz, uh, still no clarity in terms of the story we talked about uh, yesterday and that uh, surrounding uh, Bears linebacker, uh, Roquan Smith, the latest being uh, that he is not in acting like himself, but uh, dealing with a personal issue. Uh, we're not exactly sure what it is, but uh, in Chicago, I'm sure that's a, a storyline that's being heavily followed. We'll keep an eye on it, yeah. certainly here on yeah. Taz and the Moose. I don't know exactly what that means. Mm. Um, you know, it's very, very cloudy, the situation is the way that I would describe it. There's no Nagy's not adding anything more. He's talking about being a personal issue. Obviously, we know he was. Uh, uh, you know, he did not play this past week as they beat the Minnesota Vikings at home in Chicago, and he was a late scratch from that game, listed as doubtful about 20 minutes before the game. So something's going on with Roquan Smith, but we don't have any kind of clarity in terms of what that is. Well, yeah, and it's, uh, you know, he, it's hopefully everything's okay. He's, he's a young guy. He's 22 years old. He was a great player at Georgia, and he's only in the league a couple of years, and he's he's already a star. Uh, a major league force in the middle of that of that uh, that defense, that awesome defense. So, yeah, I mean, so hopefully everything's okay. I mean, you know, it's personal reasons means that for everybody else out there, that's it's it's nobody's business. That they're not telling anyone. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, you just hope he's okay. Yeah, that's right. it. I mean, that's that, all I'm saying. It. I just hope I mean, he's, everything's hopefully okay he's all right. With him, you know? Whatever he's going through in his life, hopefully he's okay. You know, whenever he gets back on the football field, Taz, uh, he does get back on the football field. Um, you know, interesting deep dive that ESPN did on Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs, and kind of like what makes Andy Reid Andy Reid, right? And we know that he's a you know, bigger than life, uh, literally, kind of head coach, right? He's had a lot of success in the regular season, and 
kind of been defined his teams in Philadelphia and Kansas City for disappointments in the postseason. Now, as we discussed earlier in the week, Taz, the Chiefs are one of the teams, along with the Patriots, as being kind of the two top teams um, in the AFC. But interesting, when you do this kind of deep dive and you take a look at this story, one of the things that they delve into is his eating habits. Well, yes. Right? Yes, so, you know, Andy Reid, obviously Kansas City, uh, big with the uh, cuts of meat and yeah. the steak and great steakhouses Seasonings. in Kansas City, no doubt. Rub. Um, you know, that Andy Reid can eat a 40-ounce steak in 19 minutes. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, I got to tell you, I'm not shocked. I mean, he's a large individual, and I'm not shocked. He, he's built like a throwback uh, caveman with shorter hair, so like a big, heavy caveman. <laughs> yes. A uh, 40, 40 ounce steak in 19 minutes. I got to be honest. I don't know if I could even eat a 40 ounce steak. I'm not a little person, but I don't have like this giant appetite. I don't eat until I'm bloated. I don't eat until my stomach is stretched out to the point that. It, my my well, large intestines you, is no gonna doubt. explode. Yeah. Right, like I don't eat. Don't do you eat like that? Some people, and that's okay. I uh, knew guys that I wrestled with that I, used to eat until they couldn't move. No, I be no, honest. I'm not. No, I don't eat like that. I've haven't had uh, a forty ounce steak. Is a big steak. That's a lot of steak. That's a lot of steak. But I mean, he's a big guy, yeah. um, and obviously he has different eating habits than than you or I. I guess the speed of which now I'm a fast eater. Uh, I I am really yeah, I'm pretty fast up, too. You know my yeah. uh, my dad being a Vietnam vet, you know being an army guy and and stuff like yep. that. Eat quick. Yep. So yep. Uh, we as a family, the Malusis is growing up. Like we're pretty quick eaters. We're Hopped not it. one where we're sitting at the table, sitting there for uh, two or three oh. hours and taking in every level and and sitting there <sighs> and and taking it. In. We when we food goes down, the food goes down. So that oh. and what I mean by on the table oh, in the belly left. and away you go and onto your day. So I, I can. Here's the I took away the fact of not just the size of the steak, the speed in which, and I have a healthy respect for Andy Reid because my wife pokes fun at me about how quick of an eater I am, <laughs> uh, and she doesn't love it because her family, uh, the Lorries and the uh, in in beautiful Westchester, New York, uh, they are slow eaters. Mm. They like to to enjoy every morsel of food. Yep, yep. They like to sit down as an Italian family, sure. and it takes three four hours on a Sunday di- uh, yep, dinner, yep. even when the pasta is sitting there cold, yeah, no yeah, doubt. Yeah, of course. Uh, so they like to take their time. Yeah. I'm usually done before with my plate of food before yeah. probably they're done with their appetizers. I, I'm not much different than you. I'm, I'm a pretty quick eater too. I I don't I eat fa- and that's a, you know if you for anybody out there like and I, I I've tried but I'm bad at it. You know the faster you eat the better chance there is to gain weight because you you don't get full as quick right. So when you eat slow that's actually the health. I know you know this but it's the healthiest way to eat is slow. But it drives me nuts, too. I, my son is like your wife's family. My son eats so friggin' slow. It dry, we, we've been to dinner as family that we had to wait for dessert because of him. Because he gets involved in conversation with everybody, and he's just like slow jones. Oh, and I'm like, is dude, your wife eat your food! Is your wife a quick eater? She, she's she's much quicker than him. Yeah, no, she's I a know, but normal pasty. Yes, yeah, she she's is. normal. Normal pasty. Quick. You're no, your your wife's normal, dude, and your son is slow. It drives it drives his girlfriend nuts. Anybody who knows him, yeah, it's like, dude, the guy just eats slow, and and he's in great shape, and he just he's like, I chew all my food the right way. I'm like, dude, just eat the food. We're what waiting for they, dessert. What do they say? How many times do you have to chew something to digest it properly? Oh, is it I don't know. Thirty bites. Is yeah. it 32s yeah. or something. I could never do it. I, I don't. There's some number that the that somebody put out in terms of how you should but, chew your food. I know it depends on steak, bread, and everything and the like. You're not going to choose a chew a piece of bread for 40, you know, 40 can you, bites. Can you even eat a steak quick? That I have to eat a little slow. Uh, I can eat a steak quick. Really? Now it depends wow. on the cut of steak. 
Okay, yeah, like if it's a thick, like a fillet that's like thicker it, or yeah, something. Yeah, if it's a yeah, if it's a police, uh, you know, I'm not going to choke on myself, you know, choke it down, <laughs> and, <laughs> right? And and basically ask for like a New York strip, you could devour quick. I think I pretty much could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, now, I can get through it pretty quick. Now, it's interesting you brought up my son, your son. Yeah. My sons are basically. I get frustrated because they'll sit down dinner. My wife and I, and my wife's a slower eater, but not more normal, more like your wife. Right. My sons sit there. For like 45 minutes. Like oh, the food dude. is ice cold. That's and how my still, kid was when he was young. Same as yours. That's and they're oh, still no. sitting there, Taz. And I'm like, oh, guys. God, guys, like there's a game coming up. Oh. Like we got to get this process moving. We got baths. Yeah. We got to brush the teeth. We got to digest. Get, right, yeah. get the food down the belly. Dude, you're in for it. Because you, they're going to be like my kid. He's 20 years old. He still eats like that. Drives me nuts. <laughs> but he has apps. <laughs> well, he's a, I don't. He's a peak athlete. <laughs> yes. But no, your guys are eating slow at that age. They're probably going to stay that way. It's healthy. It is healthy. Oh, I, I'm glad. Right. Don't follow daddy's way. Don't follow. Don't, <laughs> yeah. eat, don't, eat, don't eat. Don't eat like fast. the food's running away from the table. Like I know. I love to eat. I want to eat right now. <laughs> uh, Mike, what? how many times do you have to chew? 32 chews for an average-based food. For a more difficult chew, get up to 40. 32 to 40 chews. I've watched Pete That's the Body eat, and it's it's uncomfortable. So, I Pete the Body, it's... <laughs> he's pounded goldfish every day. Yeah, no, he's... he's Pete the Body eats his... If it's 30 chews, Pete the Body eats six chews. <laughs> that guy is a pit bull. Okay? I like queso. He is a pit bull. It's uncomfortable uh, watching it. It's like watching a National Geographic movie or something like that. I'm curious, is that 40-ounce steak, is that bone-in? Is that changes it? Oh, for, for Reed? Yeah. If you get a 40-ounce steak and it's a bone-in ribeye, oh, man, then it's really not 40 ounces of meat. That's true because the, the bone the is bone that's a good is point. Good. still a lot of meat, though. Oh, it is a lot of meat. I Probably agree. a lot of fat in that. But does it really surprise you when you read the story that nah. Andy Reed eats a 40-ounce nah, steak? he's a monster. No, <laughs> come on. He's 4X Jones. We'll come back. I might be five. Uh, you might be giving him a little too much credit. Uh, we'll talk to David Sampson, CBS Sports HQ, baseball analyst, former executive with the Marlins. That comes your way next. Has Boost, CBS Sports Radio. This is 16-year MLB veteran Chase Utley, and you're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. That's right, and the toll free line uh, is brought to you by Geico. Great news, quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico, go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you can save 15% or more on car insurance. As we welcome in our guest, David Sampson, CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ, MLB analyst, former executive with the Marlins. And, you know, David, uh, welcome aboard. Thanks for a couple minutes here, and we certainly appreciate it. My favorite time of year. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, you know what? I, I thought I thought Ken Rosenthal in a tweet last night said it best. You know, that wasn't a baseball game. That was an exorcism. Uh, you know, the Nats by hooker by crook and got a lot of help last night. They needed to find a way to win one of these games, David, and they finally did. You know, it counts as a series win. Uh, they just haven't been able to, uh, you know, get out of any playoff series, quote-unquote. Now they get to go up against the Dodgers. And what I loved about it is that the first four runs of the game were all home runs. Uh, and then the game was lost by Josh Hader and an error. And Josh Hader gives up home runs and strikes people out, but the game was lost on singles. Mm. Very interesting. That's why I love baseball so much. No doubt about it. No doubt about it, David. So uh, speaking of that in that bottom of the eighth inning when Hader was on the hill, so I want to ask you something, get your opinion, man, on um, Taylor. Taylor got hit on the hands, but, it, you know, I watched it, and a bunch of people watched it here like, 
it hit the knob of the bat, hit the hands. It's like just your thoughts on that play. I mean, and, and you know, he took his base, obviously. Um, do you feel it hit his hands? Do you feel it hit the knob? Or what, what, what was your take on it? I think it, it it looks like it hit the knob first, and then I, I don't know that I recall ever seeing a ball lodge itself. You know, he was choked up on the bat. Right. Normally, the issue is the hand is down on the knob, especially with all the home runs being hit. Players go are down on the knob all the time. He was actually choked up, and the ball he was choked up literally the length of a baseball, and it looked like the baseball nuzzled itself in between the hand and the bat. <laughs> but there was no way the replay officials in New York could overrule the call on the play, and that's why the call stands, and that's why he took his base. But that, to me, was not the issue with the game. We're not talking enough about the lack of Yelich in right field and how that rookie Grisham, that's an error of 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 a young player, a rookie, trying to do too much. He could have just gotten the ball in, go to extra innings, and maybe we're playing till 2, 3 in the morning, but he was trying to throw out the tying run and ends up giving up the winning run. Yeah, and ball bounced initially a little bit weird. Uh, but, yeah, some of the, a point that my partner Taz mentioned in terms of him being a little bit uh, too over-exuberant and maybe being uh, trying to trying to do a little too much at, at that stage, David. Fair point. What about this Nat team? Now, the, you, you saw the joy, Soto's dad tackling him from behind after the game last night. Uh, what does this victory mean for that Nats team? And do you think now they get to play a little bit freer and easier against the best team in the National League moving forward in the Dodgers? Well, first, I love that you brought up the Soto situation because I'm watching that game as the president of the team, and I see him getting tackled by his father, and I am screaming at the TV. (laughs) I thought he got hurt when he initially went down from behind. I was like, what's going on? That's how ankles get sprained. That's how ACLs get sprained or torn. And I I literally couldn't believe what I was watching. Now, Soto's a big man, but Soto's dad is no David Sampson. He's a big guy, too. (laughs) So I was just saying, please get up, please get up, please be okay. And it was bringing me back to my days running the team. (laughs) As for the Nats, they they did what they were supposed to do. They used Scherzer and Strasburg, which is their starting depth, which is what they have because they don't have great bullpen depth. And now they still have a number one starter ready to go in Patrick Corbin. And the way the series rounds out, they will get to, in a five-game series, pitch Corbin Strasburg and Scherzer, just not in the order that they would have wanted to. But you have to use, in in a one-game playoff, you've got to use your best pitchers. That's why Strasburg came in. And that's why the signing of Corbin last offseason, which we talked about on this show, was so important for the Nationals and was better than them retaining Bryce Harper because look where the Nats are and look where the Phillies are. All right, good, very good point. Very good point. Uh, if we could circle back for a second, Dave, about Juan Soto. This kid, as you know, is 20 years old. I mean, he just has a spectacular career thus far as a young guy. Clutch last night with that, that rope to right field. Um, speak on him. I talked earlier to Moose and I were talking. I talked about his upside. I mean, for this kid's future, the amount of money this guy could make. I mean, speak on that from a business perspective and this kid's ability at 20 years old. Well, I'll give you two words. It's called Miguel Cabrera. I had Miguel Cabrera in the World Series as a 20-year-old, and uh, he's gone on to a Hall of Fame career. Let's ignore the fact that, you know, he's at the late stages of his career, not as impactful anymore. But he, Miguel Cabrera, probably the greatest to me, he and... Pujols is probably the greatest right-handed hitters I ever saw. I guess put Manny Ramirez in there, too. But Juan Soto, what he's able to do reminded me of Cabrera. He's going to be the number four hitter 
number three hitter in a team that could go to the World Series. That team could beat the Dodgers. They've got the pitching and the lineup to do it. And to me, the Braves and Nationals both could beat the Dodgers. So I'm not handing the pennant over in L.A. too quickly. All right, David, let's jump over for fans of the A's and the Rays. They're like, hey, what about us, right? we got a wild card game (laughs) later on tonight out in Oakland. Um, You know, what should we keep an eye out as we all – and, you know, we we love playoff baseball. It's fantastic. But what should we keep an eye out on tonight? I mean, the A's have had a – a, a dastardly time trying to get through these elimination games, and they've struggled as of late. You look at the Rays had an unbelievable year. Uh, what, you, what are you looking at tonight in terms of how this one plays out? I think this game could mirror last night's game, where Charlie Morton could play the role of Woodruff. He's going to get through four or five innings, and he's going to be terrific. And then you've got Manaya, who's all, who could be the Scherzer, where he can also get through four or five innings, but no more. And then it's going to be a battle of the bullpens. And the A's have the worst-ranked bullpen in terms of blown saves. So what worries me is the A's get a lead, and the Rays are just so calm about everything. And they can beat you in so many ways from every spot in the lineup that just a late-inning lead will not be sufficient for the A's to guarantee victory. Uh, we're on the phone with our special guests right now, David Sampson, CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ MLB analyst. So sticking on that topic right there, Dave, uh, about the Rays, about the A's, who's the bigger threat to Houston, uh, whoever to win this wildcard game? So the front office of the, of the Astros is sitting around right now, and they are praying that the Rays win the game. They had a hard time with Oakland this year. It's not a great matchup. Now, listen. In a five-game series, I want to say that anything could happen, but no one's beating the Astros in a five-game series when you've got to go against Verlander and Cole and Granke in a row, rested, extra rest. I don't think any of these two teams playing tonight have a chance, whereas the winner of the wild-card game in the National League I think could bring the Dodgers to five games. There could be an upset there, but for the winner of tonight's game, I'm afraid it's one and done. All right, David, what about, you know, the uh, couple other series that are about to get going here? Um, You know, Yankees and Twins on Friday night in the American League. Everyone and their mother basically says, Twins never beat the Yankees, never beat the Yankees. What's the best argument for Minnesota pulling off this upset and knocking off the AL East champs, the Yanks, here in this series? That the Yankees starting pitching is sort of like AAA starting pitching. And if the Minnesota offense can pretend that it's the regular season and not the playoffs, where mostly offenses disappear, if they can pretend it's the regular season, uh, they will beat the Yankees in a five-game series. The Yankees are injured. They've got players back now in Sanchez and Stanton, but they're not in October form. They're just not able to have the reps, and they haven't seen enough pitches and had enough at-bats at the major league level to be extremely sharp right now. You've got Paxton with a glute issue. You've got Tanaka with a mediocrity issue. You've got CC Sabathia in the pen. You've got Hap in the pen. So to me, it would not be an upset for the Twins to win this series. It's almost a bigger upset if Aaron Boone, who should be manager of the year and will be, if he can get the Yankees past the Twins, that's the upset to me. Dave, give us a, give us a little breakdown, thoughts, views, opinions, uh, Cardinals, Braves. That's another fascinating series that I think goes five games. And the key to that series is not Ozuna and Goldschmidt, but to me, it's what happens with their pitching. They've got Flaherty, who's the best pitcher in that entire series, and maybe in the National League the best pitcher for me right now, certainly since the All-Star break. 
their bullpen has been, even without Jordan Hicks, well-performing. So if Carlos Martinez, their closer, does not blow a save in the series, the Cardinals can win this series. But the Braves, from top to bottom, are a great, great team. Freeman with his little elbow injury, Acuna with his balky sort of body, they've got to be on point, and they've got to hope the rookie Soroka rises to the occasion and doesn't wilt under it. But I still think it's a five-game series. And if St. Louis is trying to close it out, that'll be quite exciting. You know, David, finally here, we had a minute left. With all these managerial jobs open in Major League Baseball, what do you think the best opportunity for a manager coming in is? Uh, I would say San Diego and Philadelphia. Because if you could get someone in Philadelphia who's actually a good manager, who actually understands how to work a, a bullpen and get a team playing on the same page, that team is too good to be a 500 team. The second thing that I would say is the San Diego Padres job, even though you've got Machado um, at a lot of money, they've got a great farm system, great young players coming up, the beginning of a great staff, but they have something better. They have an owner who came out publicly and said, if we don't have a good 2020, heads are going to roll, including my own, which is a record. I've never heard that in 18 years, an owner saying he's going to fire himself. I sort of am rooting against the Padres just to see what it would happen when an owner <laughs> fires himself. Hey, David, so good stuff. Those are two good jobs. David, we appreciate it, man. Uh, enjoy the, the wild card game tonight, and thanks, as always, for the time this morning. Thanks, Dave. We'll do, we'll do it again. Thanks, guys. Uh, you got it. David Sampson, uh, MLB analyst for CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. Give me a feel. Get a sense. He likes the Rays tonight in Oakland against the Athletics. We'll come back as this uh, Wednesday morning program flying by. Hour to play with. The three comes your way next. Taz Moose, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.